just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Welcome back. Coming back with another episode. As always, how's it going? Oh, not too bad. You? Pretty good. Pretty good. Enjoying the semi-cold weather we have going on here now. It is a nice flash of a little bit of cooler weather after that last couple weeks. It was hard not being able to take my motorcycle out. I don't like to ride when it's super humid because my my uh, helmet visor fogs up. and I don't like doing 85 miles an hour on the interstate with a fogged up helmet. <laughs> Put the visor up. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good idea. So I can eat some bugs. <laughs> but we're back. Another episode for you guys. Today, little little oddball episode. We wanted to talk about the Jedi and Sith codes and um, just kind of how they're easily displaced and, and easily not followed, I guess, for lack of a better term. I would say they're designed to not be followed. Okay. Because as with most ideologies or idealism... If you set the bar at perfection, no one can attain it. So if you set the bar at there is no path or there is no uh, no feelings, there's no emotion, there's no it is only serenity. If you ever feel a flurry of emotion, you've already failed. Right for the Jedi and for the Sith, if you ever show mercy, it's weakness. That is unlikely to be attained at the very least and probably on the on the verge of being impossible to attain on either side i would say contrary to that the jedi code really it's almost more like a guideline than an actual code the mandalorians have a code or a creed if you will and they follow it to a t yeah but there's a reason for that and that's kind of the reason they've been able to last for thousands of years as a galactic entity, if you will. But the Jedi, I feel, over the course of their their reign or whatever, <clears throat> they kind of lose sight of what it actually means to be a Jedi. And a lot of that is shown in the movies. The only Jedi who probably strictly followed the code, I would say, there's a handful, would be Master Yoda. I would say Mace Windu. Despite Vapad, I'll get into that later, and probably Plo Koon. I don't know that I have seen an example of a Jedi that followed the code perfectly at all. Really? Yeah, I would say so. Um, if they followed the code, then they wouldn't have been the generals of the of the Clone Wars. True, but I think that was kind of more put in, that was kind of more dropped in their lap. It was, but they didn't have to accept it. They did, though, being the protectors of the Republic. They weren't the protectors, they were peacekeepers. Of the Galactic Republic. They were peacekeepers. How do you you keep the peace when the war is on your doorstep? If they are the peacekeepers and the war is coming to the Republic. By leaving it to the military. But there hadn't been a military for thousands of years. What made them so so duty bound? There were plenty of militia type units 
you know, the Naboo Guard were a great example. They could have been used as leaders. There were plenty yeah. of planetary defense forces that officers could have been pulled from. There were plenty of options. Even just throwing senators in charge of it. Senators who had a unique understanding well, of hyperspace travel. <laughs> well, just depending on the, the senators you pick. Like Bail Organa. Right. Perfect example. There, there were great leaders in the Senate, and then there were others that weren't great leaders. There were people in the Senate who had military experience, not republic military, but local military. Hmm. Giving it to the Jedi was the easiest option, because obviously they're a, a semi-military order. They're militant for sure, but not to the extent of waging a war. But they're, they're militant like a monk might be in, in the Eastern cultures like of the world. Like a Kung Fu monk. Right. They, they're, they're more monks than anything, and they just... One of the things they study is the martial art with the lightsaber. Well, they're martial paragons. Right. And I think that's where the Senate saw them as... The warrior idea, monks right to set the precedent for leadership positions the jedi weren't prepared well and they were viewed as very wise very noble very uh willing to defend and so it it made sense but the jedi should have never said yes no i i agree but as far as the code is concerned the jedi code specifically is just guidelines and it's guidelines towards an inner peace not peace for the galaxy because that's well, already been proven that that's not possible i don't know that it's even guidelines to inner peace but really it's it's a roadmap of how you can find your inner peace so then that's exactly what i said well it's not guaranteed to give you inner peace well nothing's guaranteed even for the jedi but this is just a if you follow these, you might be able to find your own path mm. to inner peace, to uh, fulfillment, to happiness. And to protecting the galaxy, which is what they claim well, to do. Their, their idealistic standard, their idealism is if you do these things, if you protect the galaxy, that will bring you happiness. Which is kind of contrary to their whole teachings because... I mean, Qui-Gon's a perfect example. He strove for inner peace as well as peace for the galaxy, no matter the cost. Right. But then he dies. Right. And I feel like that kind of contradicts <laughs> their whole ideology. Yes, he became one with the Force and was able to then become a uh, Force uh, ghost or a, um, a spirit. Right. But... That was by him not following the code. Well, not not even Mace Windu or any of the other council members became Force Ghosts, and they followed the code better than Qui Gon did. I would argue, probably not. That's not the sole reason, but it's part of it. I I would actually argue that the reason he was able to achieve that is because he followed the code more closely, but more loosely. He didn't follow the very literal meaning of the Jedi Code and the Jedi teachings the way that the Masters on the Council did. However, Qui-Gon Jinn followed the intentions of the Jedi Order much more closely. I think he followed the intentions of the Force as opposed to the Council. Right, but what is the intention of the, of the Jedi Order? To follow the will of the Force. Which they don't do very well. 
Which he did very well. <laughs> Qui-Gon did. They didn't. Which he did very... Yeah, Qui-Gon did very well. Mm-hmm. So, when it's all said and done, even though they seem outwardly to be following the, the code more strictly, he was willing to bend the, the Jedi's rules to achieve the intention of those rules. And it worked for him. And it worked for the galaxy. Not just for the galaxy, but he is... In my, in my personal opinion, a prime example of what happens if you do adhere to the code as guidelines and not as a, a set of, you know, in this dogmatic realm. Well, the code was written to help Jedi achieve that goal of following the Force's will. That was the original intent of the code. It was to be a guideline towards what the Jedi were for. And over time, the Jedi became too enamored with following the code and not cognizant enough of what the code was trying to achieve. But the code is, is to me, seems more personal than an actual... It's not like the Ten Commandments or the Torah... Right. The code is just, a, 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 to me, it's a set of guidelines that says if you live your way, your life this way, you can achieve greatness personally. Right. I don't think the code was necessarily created for the galaxy. I think it was created for the continuation of the Jedi. Well, it was, in, in my mind, the reason they wrote the code, the Jedi, the original Jedi who wrote the code, wrote the code, was so that they had a uniform very easy to digest just a standard for everyone a very easy to digest way of explaining what they were trying to achieve mm-hmm. and what they were trying to achieve was balance in the force they were trying to achieve inner peace they were trying to achieve all of the jedi norms you know the the inner peace self-worth uh, happiness contentment rather than happiness i, was I say happiness isn't something they seek contentment but... Um, so this is a way that you can just very broadly get to all these things that you can achieve following the will of the force. Right. And over time it became where the Jedi, instead of looking to follow the force, they were looking to follow the code. So they lost sight of what the code was supposed to do and were only following the code. Or attempting to. Right. And that's where I feel like Qui-Gon had it the right way. But then but then my mind goes to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was a devout follower of the code. Yeah. Save for his love affair with the Mandalorian princess or whatever she was. He was a devout follower of the code. But then he look what happened to him. He became a Force ghost. He was able to achieve happiness for a time. But he he was forced into hermit into being a hermit. He was forced into being a hermit to protect Luke. But he was still alive. Yes. All the other Jedi died. Yes. So do you see where that... But he was forced to be a hermit. But was he following the code for the sake of following the code at the, you know, at the end of his life? Was he following the code for the sake of following the code? Or was he following the code... For the continuation of the Jedi. Because his goal at that point wasn't so much to be devout to the Force or to the Code, but to be devout to protecting Luke. Well, 
which was the four. I feel like the inadvertently was protecting the the force, protecting the uh, the balance of the force. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was protecting Luke, but inadvertently, by doing so, he protected the only chance for the force to truly be balanced by Anakin. And but but that's what I'm saying. So that do do you see my contradict my my dilemma here? Of trying to understand how some Jedi cannot follow it and then become Force ghosts, become one with the Force, and other Jedi follow it devoutly and become Force ghosts. But then there's a handful of Jedi who, gosh, I can't remember his name. He was in the comics. He had two yellow lightsabers, and he was on the council. Obi-Wan took his spot after he died. But he was really good friends with Mace Windu, and he had two yellow lightsabers. I can't remember his name, but after he died, Obi-Wan took his spot on the council. That's why there was a seat open on the council. And I'll, I'll have to look that up at some time. But, right. but that guy was a devout follower of the code. Right. And he died, but he didn't become a horse ghost. So that's why I'm like, okay, is it following the code, following the force, or is it a perfect balance of the two? I feel like it has to I be don't, a mix. I don't think following the code matters. But it does because look at look at Qui Gon now. Well, the code is a creation of the Jedi. <clears throat> the co- okay, yeah, I was confused by your. What word. matters in becoming a Force ghost is one: you have to achieve inner peace. You have to release, not peace, balance. Inner peace, a uh, balance between good and evil, mm. a parity between good and evil, whatever you want to call it. You have to achieve that so that you can release from yourself. You have to be able to let yourself go. But the Force is the what deems worthiness in a being to become a Force ghost. The but force you have ghost. to be willing to let go of yourself so that when you die, you are ready to become a Force ghost. You also have to do become the inner peace... In order for the Force to deem you worthy. Because the Force isn't going to let somebody who's not worthy become a Force ghost. Then why wasn't Revan a Force ghost? I would argue the reason he wasn't a Force ghost is because he chose not to be. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) We don't know. We don't. But I would argue that... But by definition of, of both of us, Revan should have theoretically become a Force ghost. Inner balance, peace... Devotion to only the Force, neither light nor dark. But did he want to be? But see, that's one of those things where I feel like it's not up to him to want to be. It's up to the Force to say, you're worthy. Right, but even if he's worthy, doesn't mean he has to accept. Maybe he was so at peace that he was willing to just fade and let the Force deal with the galaxy the way it will. (laughs) I'm done after 400 years of saving the galaxy, let someone else do it. <laughs> right. But I don't think the code has anything to do with it because it was created by the Jedi, not by the Force. I think the real thing that matters is, are you looking for the will of the Force? Yeah. Have you given up your own selfish desires? You know, I'm sure Qui-Gon would have would have wanted to free all of the slaves he could. He's a good guy. But it wasn't the will of the Force. Exactly. And that's where I... So he (laughs) gave up his selfish desire in order to do the will of the Force. 
So I, I don't know that it has anything to do with the code at all. But it, but it should, because if that was created by the Jedi, but then that goes back to proving my argument. It's just a set of guidelines. It's not something you actually have to follow. And Qui-Gon proved that. Well, that depends on what your definition of have to follow is. Have to follow is if you want to be a part of this religion and practice whatever form of martial arts or inner peace or meditation, you, you, have want... to, you have to adhere to the code if you want to be a Jedi. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of later what happened with the council. They were saying, okay, you're not following the Jedi code. What's going on? Right. But then you look at Luke and his academy after episode six, and Luke kind of stopped teaching the Jedi code. Well, that's why I said it doesn't really matter. But Luke became a Force ghost. Well, that's why I say it doesn't matter. Right. But then why create it at all? The Jedi? The Jedi created the... Because the... half the Jedi never followed the code. The code was there as a guideline. It was one of their teachings. It was a yeah. way... In my mind, it was a way to easily convey the idea that bad things happen to people who go over to the dark side. And yet, people still went to the dark side. Of course they did. <laughs> That's the natural tendency of, of sentient beings. Right. Somebody's always going to go to the dark side. Mm -hmm. That That is just what the dark side is. There's always going to be someone who's greedy for power or, or control or whatever it is that brings them to the dark side. But I think actually having the Jedi code is what helped assist in the downfall of the Jedi. Because if you have too many... Having it, no. But I think it's an imperfect code. And that is part of what led to the downfall. It should have been remade, but it's one of those... It's archaic and the Jedi were into their preservation of texts and tomes and, and things of that nature and so I think they felt oh well we have to stick to the code and you know it's it's always it's always mentioned in the movies and in, even in the comics oh stick to the code that's not a part of the code code this code that blah 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 and it's it's in my mind it's like okay so you're wanting to be devout followers of the code yet following the code devoutly eventually, in my opinion again, I feel led or assisted in the leading of their downfall. I, I can agree with that. Rather than let Jedi test whatever waters they wanted outside of the code, come to an error, because then look at Plo Koon, who used Force Judgment, one of the only Jedi to ever have a lightning ability. Right. Being a Keldor, naturally, and... The Jedi were upset with him, saying, "You know, that's that's against the Jedi code. Like, that's that's a that's a dark side drawing power." And Plo Koon was was in his mind going, "No, it's not. I see. I can do this. I can burn things with my fingertips, and I'm still. I don't have yellow eyes. I I'm still <laughs> a devout follower of the Jedi. Right. And he Plo Koon is actually one of the only Jedi, the only Jedi master to defeat Master Yoda in a duel." I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Yes, he was, because he was proficient in Form 4 Otaru and Form 5, the Sheehan version. Mm. And because he was so skilled with Otaru, which was Master Yoda's lightsaber form, he was able to keep up with him. But 
being as humble as Plo Koon was, his race naturally humble, he didn't brag about it. Right. And that's why he gained so much respect from Yoda. Because the Grandmaster of the Jedi just got spanked by Plo Koon. And <laughs> he's probably like... Shh. I doubt it was a spanking. I, I, I have a feeling it was a fairly good battle. It was. But... All that aside, though... the So... I think there's a lot put onto the code. A lot of weight put onto the code unnecessarily. And unwisely. I think it was written to be a guide. And to be something that the Jedi could use as a tool to guide them through life. Yeah. And over time, as it got to be a thousand and then, you know, 10,000 years old, it became mythic. It was a natural tendency as the Jedi expanded, I think. And after the multiple wars they had for them to kind of veer away from that aspect of the Jedi. Well, and the older something is, the more, more revered it is. That's why I was saying that they, they revere those archaic texts as... Well, it's it's been in the, the Jedi for generations. We have to keep it around. Right. It's the wisdom of the first. And I think that's that's where Qui-Gon was in his mind going, no, there's definitely ways around it and still being a good Jedi. Well, and I don't think there's just ways around it and still be a good Jedi. I think sometimes to be a good Jedi, you have to ignore it. Well, that's going around it. Kind of. If, if, you, if you take... The aspect of the Jedi Code and what it's supposed to be, which is to teach, if anything, it should be a stepping stone for Padawans and apprentices. Right, that should be something you're teaching to your younglings. If you want to achieve greatness as a Jedi, become a Jedi Knight, become a Jedi Master, become a Consular, stick to the Code. You won't falter. But then you look at all the Masters and, and whatever aspect of the Star Wars universe you want, be it novelization or film and you can see a lot of them don't follow the code right i mean whether it's inadvertent or not it's they don't follow it but they don't fall to the dark side so that's where that's kind of where i why i wanted to bring up the codes today because it's such a there's this stigma for the jedi behind we gotta stick to the code it's it's our way it's it's how things are done and then they go and do the exact opposite of what the code is supposed to be well, it's basically the same as any other idealistic text in our universe. People take bullet points from it <coughs> and treat those bullet points as if they are as if they're perfect, as if they are the the, the only truth. But they can ignore something three sentences later that doesn't fit their narrative. Right. Every ideology has... Every ideology, in my mind, has a fatal flaw. Absolutely. And the fatal flaw is generally that if you're doing something idealistic, you're making the bar too high to reach. And if people can't reach that bar that you're setting as the standard, they'll feel like there's something wrong with them and, they and they'll resent it. Yeah. And that's really just going to cause <coughs> the Jedi Order as a whole to fail. Well, and it, eventually I feel like it did. 
Yeah. They were so strict in being adherent to the code that they lost sight of what the Jedi were actually supposed to fight for. Right. Because, right. again, like I said, in, in the prequel movies, the code this, code that. It's all the code, all or nothing. Well, that left room for the Force to say, not or not, not the Force, but for the dark side to basically grow. Because they weren't fighting for the Force, the light side of the Force. They were fighting for the Jedi Code. Right. And the Sith were, in their minds, the reason Palpatine was able to lay so low was because he knew the Jedi weren't focused on the Force. Because if they were, they would have known it. They would have felt it coming. Exactly. And that's, I think Qui-Gon was the only one who was able to sense the dark side. No, Qui-Gon's just the only one that we see do it. I think there's plenty of examples of people who could sense it coming. Um, So one example is probably the most prominent example is going to be Master Sifo Diaz. Uh, eh, I don't think he sensed the dark side. I think he just sensed the Jedi were failing. He, He sensed that there was something coming from there was a threat coming sure and he could sense that he needed to do something about it but he couldn't necessarily see what the threat was or where it lied uh another example of somebody who could step away from the jedi code and its teachings and its dogma far enough to kind of see the flaws is Count Dooku. Right, but there again, though I feel like those are Jedi who who fell from the code. Right. Because they Count Dooku or Tyrannus served the light side. He served the force. He didn't serve the code. Right. Which I, I'm agreeing with you. Which just... eventually is what actually led to his demise and his downfall. And there again, that's my dilemma because you have these Jedi who follow the code and die and fall. You have the Jedi who don't follow the code, they, they fall and die. It's, and I think that's kind of the natural wheel of fate that the Force puts in play. You know, like well, it's, the, it's, 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 it's more of the, well, it can happen to anybody. Well, the code is the idealistic way of being light side, of being a good Jedi. It's the, it's, this is the ideal. And one of the threats it has is if you don't follow it, then you're probably going to fall to the dark side, in a sense. And if you do follow it, you can't follow it perfectly, so you might fall to the dark side. If you try to follow it and you think you do pretty good, then you're probably pretty good. But if you're following the code to a T, you're not following the true path of the jedi i agree which is in my opinion again as as we do here in the dress day canteen and we banter that i think the ancient jedi the older jedi even in the old republic days just a few thousand years before the formation of the republic we know from the movies they were so at peace they were they were ready for war but they had the numbers. And I think a majority of that was because they weren't so strictly adherent followers of the code. Well, it hadn't, they, it hadn't had another 2,000 <clears throat> years to develop into a cult. Yeah, well, because <coughs> you have Satil Shan, who's the Grandmaster of the Republic at right. this time, which is 
eh, roughly a few thousand years BBY. And she she was one of those, okay, here's... And in the Star Wars Old Republic online game, a lot of the story for the Jedi, she talks about it. Well, we follow the code, but follow your instinct. Right. Which is why the Jedi were able to flourish for so long back then, because... They taught the code, but they followed the Force. Exactly. And where we get away from that is after, you know, years passed, after Vitiate's dead, after Darth Bane comes and goes... And then the Jedi, after the seventh battle of Rusan, that there's nothing to fight because they think the Sith are dead. Right. So at that point, it becomes okay. Clearly, the Force wanted us to win. That's where you see that that pompous neglect for the light side come into play. Well, and, and as it becomes more dogmatic, as the the Jedi become more dogmatic, more uh, religious, more cultish. You see that fade from Teal Sean, who basically says. Look, the the Jedi Code is a teaching that we use to follow the Force to you're not following the will of the Force unless you follow the Code. But you're not following the will of the Force if you don't follow the Code, whereas (coughs) when the Code was written, and even for several thousand years after it was written, it was treated as, this is a way that you can use as a guideline to get you to where you're following the Force. It's about following the will of the Force, but if the Force wills you to be serene, then you must be serene. Now, I feel like we've touched on the Sith, or excuse me, not quite. I feel like we've touched on the Jedi pretty well. Yeah. In that, I think we can come to an agreement that the Jedi Code was more of a set of guidelines. Right. The Jedi as a whole, had they not stuck to just following the Code in the days of Palpatine. You may want to retry that sentence. Had the Jedi stuck to just following, not stuck to following the code? Had the Jedi stayed with the same mentality they had in the time of the Old Republic? That's what I mean. Not being devout followers of the code, but being devout followers of the will of the Force. I think they would have been able to survive. Because they would have been able to foresee the fact that the clone army was actually the intention to destroy the Jedi. Well, and even if they hadn't seen that, they probably would have been less arrogant with the destruction of the Sith. They probably would have found the two Sith sooner and had more of a shot at defending themselves from this, the plan of the Sith, which was the destruction of the Jedi. Mm. Now, on the flip side of this coin, you have the Jedi Order, which they are a very idealistic, dogmatic very close followers of the code in the era of the movies of the Skywalker saga. A little different in the Old Republic era. Um, And a part of that's from the necessity and from the outside pressures of having a Sith Order constantly attacking you. The Sith code is a little bit different of a cat. It is fairly idealistic and dogmatic. See, I would argue it's not. The Sith Code is an extremely loose ideology. And you can see that because nowhere in the Sith Code does it say, I guess verbatim, in order to achieve greatness, you have to kill other Sith. Right. It again. But it does hone in on the the idea that 
you must take power from somewhere else if you are to have power. But it doesn't say that. No, not exactly. That's what I mean. The Jedi Code was was a... They, they followed, tried, attempted, I should say, to follow it to a T. Right. The Sith, that is where it really becomes a personal thing because each Sith is going to take the line differently. I mean, look at the rising and the falling of each great Sith Lord. Right. Once you go through every step of the Sith Code, <coughs> you should be at a point of power. Tulak Horde, Naga Sadao, Karnas Moore, Freedon Nad, Darth Andidu, Marka Ragnos, Exar Kun, Darth Revan, Darth... I mean, I can name off a thousand Sith who... Every successful Sith followed the Sith Code. But not everyone who followed the Sith Code was successful. Bingo. And you just answered it. You just, you just answered what I was going to ask next. So, that being said, the fact that the Sith were able to have these heightened empires i mean usually short-lived well right but there were so many of them it doesn't matter if they were a thousand year reigning or a ten thousand year reigning empire but if they're based off the power of one man usually they fall after that man dies but look at the rakatans they were dark side oriented but they didn't have a sith code and their empire lasted for ten thousand years and then some but it just what what really amazes me is the Sith could live excuse me, not live, but they could follow the code to a T. But again, nowhere in there does it say you have to kill people to achieve power. No, the Sith code pretty much just lists off truths if you're utilizing the dark side of the forest. It's a loose definition of how you can achieve power. Well the these things are just truths mm-hmm. if you have access to the dark side of the forests you can utilize emotion to grow your power but you shouldn't need to follow a code at that point you should be powerful enough to not need to follow a well code. it's just a guideline it, it's just it just lists off facts anger is powerful and and i'd have to go i'd have to go pull up the exact quote the exact code because honestly i don't remember the exact word i can of read it, it to you I'm I'm sure you could. (laughs) So it starts, peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall free me. Those are all facts. Truths. Mm, They're all facts. Oh, they're both, I should say. Well, right. The reason I say they're not truths... The reason I specifically chose the word facts is because in order for me to say it's a truth, it would have to be the whole truth. There is no peace. There is passion. Well, of course there's peace. You can achieve peace. It's usually short-lived. What I mean by truth is it's a truth to the Sith. (coughs) Right, right. And that's (laughs) why I chose fact, because it is a fact that there is passion. And that if you choose passion, there is no peace. But there is absolutely peace. You can achieve inner peace. You can achieve global peace. You can achieve universal peace. Sith don't pe- strive on peace, though. That's why it's a truth for the Sith. Sith don't care about peace. They care they about power. They don't care about it. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Well, I'm not disputing that it's factually correct. I'm disputing so there is that it's a flaw. 
And the flaw is every part of that can be false. But not to the Sith. You could argue that, but if the Sith don't have a say because the Jedi are more powerful, then they don't have a say. See, and the, thus it can be peaceful. That's that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> but, <laughs> that, mean, but that's the big flaw in the Sith teaching. That, well, yeah, because they, clearly they got it wrong. They chose passion. No, they chose to murder each other. Well, they chose they chose passion. They chose to fully embrace this idea of utilizing passion. <laughs> Whether that passion is rage or hatred or malice or whatever you're using. It doesn't discount that there is such a thing as peace. And so no matter how much passion you use... If someone else can achieve peace, you can be defeated. So the reason they fall over and over and over is regardless of how much power you have, there's always a bigger fish. But that's where that's where I think, even though it was a specifically a set of guidelines for the Sith, again, in the ancient days, they followed it to a T. Yep. Which is why their empires were so powerful, so vast, was because they were able to take those guidelines, unlike the Jedi, who weren't able to utilize those guidelines to its full potential. Right. The Sith used them to the full potential. Murder anything in your path, and you will achieve greatness. The yeah. The Force will set you free. Absolutely. Which is why you had, you know, a thousand Sith Lords running around rampant, murdering Whoever they wanted villages to. and each other right. was because they were freed from the force, and through that's the force. They were freed. Yes, sorry, they were freed through the force. Essentially, as a part of the Sith code says, their chains are broken. Right, they're not held down anymore. But they are. No, I I know they are, but but from their standpoint, yes. But we talked yes, about the Jedi from an outside I'm, standpoint. I, I'm just going from an wanna, outside let's, standpoint. Let's stick too. to third person. <laughs> I know you appreciate the Sith. I just I I like it's it's such a, in my opinion, the Sith is a more rich. The Sith has a more rich upbringing. We know a lot more about the Sith histories too. There's about an equal amount. There's more written about the Jedi, but the Sith have more fun readings. Well, they they have about <laughs> the same amount of lore, but you have a lot further back. Like you have a lot more details about Marco Ragnos than you have about the Grand Master of the Jedi at Marco Ragnos' time, because quite frankly, it's way more fun and way more intriguing to read about the Sith because I don't know about anybody else, but when I read a novel about the Sith, it's <clears throat> there's few star or there's few franchises where the bad guy is the protagonist. The protagonist? Yeah. Uh Darth Revan. There's few other franchises. Oh, okay. Well, in, in Star Wars, you have this unique thing where the main character, the person you're supposed to kind of connect with while reading a novel, is a bad guy. Venom. And it's... Right. Reverse Flash. There are some, 
but it, but I, I see your point. I'm just naming a couple notable ones. Yes. Um, but it is it's hard to argue by. Batman. Uh, Batman, I wouldn't necessarily say is good or bad. He's the good guy, but he's not a good guy. No, he's he's a rich a hole. Right. <laughs> I mean, so not that being rich is a bad thing, but he he definitely yeah. So you've got a weird sort of opportunity in the in the dark side as an author to write a hero of your story who is the villain and you have to do something that's really challenging you have to write a villain to be lovable it is a really difficult thing to write a character who the reader will love that is a bad guy because a part of the reason we like protagonists and the we read about these protagonists is because we see certain things in them that are relatable like anakin luke anakin um darth vader to a sense to i'd, I'd say to a degree yeah i mean even tyrannus even even other even other books if you read uh a biography of a famous general you're probably going to get more invested if you feel like you share some compatibilities with that well, general that's the author's job or the director's job is to make not only the protagonist but the antagonist relatable right because those are the characters that they want you to focus on but that's also the characters that draw you into the story yeah and so it's a really difficult thing to do to write that to write to write a, a bad character, like a character who is evil, to be relatable to the normal person, it's a difficult thing to do. Well, yeah, because most people don't want to be seen as pure evil. Right. And so... When you relate to a character, you want to be able to relate to all attributes, not just the or, positive or the negative. Right. And so you... I think that's why there's so much... That is at least a part of the reason there's so much writing on different Sith Lords. Is because, as an author, you want to write that because it's a difficult thing to write. And that makes it interesting to you as a, as a writer. Right. And so you're going to get more of those stories. And I see that in a lot of Warhammer 40k novels and 30k novels. 30k for sure i was gonna say both uh, i mean well i i've only ever read from 30k i've never read 40k but they're usually they're usually good guys who are just bad people mm. that you read about there are some where you read about the bad guy but in the old sith lore you have um you have evil guys who are bad guys who are the protagonist? Who are the hero of the story? And that is really, Exarch really difficult to do. Tulak Horde? Darth Bane? Sith. If they follow the Sith teachings, they are probably a really terrible person. Well, that's what I mean. They're, they're the protagonist, but they're evil. <coughs> right. Well, Exarch Kun's tricky because he didn't start that way. Mm. He was possessed by Freedon. He was not possessed. He was approached by the spirit of Freedon Nad, who was an ancient Sith Lord. And he said, hey, listen, man. I can give you all this power. All you got to do is just follow this guideline right just here. Just follow my teachings. 
And turns out it was the Sith code. Right. And Erzarkun's like, wow. Yeah, I can be pretty damn powerful. Right. And then guess what? He goes on and conquers half the, half the galaxy. Doing that. A little more than half. <laughs> but <clears throat> point is, I feel like if you follow the Sith code, you will achieve the greatness. You will achieve some greatness. But there again... You have to have the power... You have to be an adept force wielder as well. There again, I have the same dilemma that I had with the Jedi Code. If you devoutly follow the Sith Code, you eventually will fail. You destroy the Sith. Naturally. You will be more powerful, but the Sith will grow weaker. Which is, well, but then you get into the rule of two and all that other stuff. But just speaking of the code, the Sith code isn't even close to being a moral guideline versus the Jedi code is. That's why I feel like the Sith code would more be laid out as a rule. If you want to be a Sith, these are the rules you have to follow. If you don't follow those rules, you cannot become a great Sith. But from the moment the Sith wrote the Sith code... From the moment that was written down and codified, there was only one logical conclusion. And that was the Sith would become extinct. And I think the story of Star Wars shows the only logical conclusion there is. No, They start off super powerful (laughs) with Mm. a lot of people. And those people compete for the power. And they kill each other off. And over thousands of years, they dwindle. They go from tens of thousands of Sith to thousands of Sith to hundreds of Sith Sith, to two Sith. And that is the sweet spot, is the two Sith. (laughs) Now, the two Sith are bound to fail. No. Yes. They're not. Yes. Absolutely bound to fail. Because... One of two things is going to happen eventually if you go through enough iterations of Master and Apprentice. Either eventually you will get a Master who is so powerful his Apprentice can never beat him. So no matter how many Apprentices he has, he will kill his Apprentice and take a new one. And kill his Apprentice and take a new one. But you're still keeping two at that point. You are. But eventually he will die of old age. And the Apprentice will at least lose a degree of knowledge. Mm, They won't necessarily just die of old age the dark side is what's going to kill well whatever kills them it doesn't matter (laughs) whether it's a heart attack or a collision in space or a space battle or pirates or whatever kills them something is going to kill them and when that happens the apprentice that they have will not be as powerful as they are and the sith will diminish in power Eventually, if that happens enough times, one of those apprentices will, or one of those masters will die before the apprentice has enough power to truly call himself a Sith. But that doesn't mean that the two... Now, the second option that could happen with the rule of two is... An apprentice, if you're constantly choosing a new apprentice... And that apprentice becomes the master and chooses his own apprentice. Eventually, someone will screw up and choose the wrong apprentice. And that apprentice will kill the master when they're powerful enough. And will then either die without an apprentice 
Or we'll turn to the light side. <sighs> and at that point, the Sith are over. It is it is only a matter of time. But there is not, no redundancy. It, there is. Where? Where is the redundancy for the Sith in the Rule of Two? Because the Rule of Two is actually the only dynasty, if you will, of Sith that survived thousands of years. And what if both the Master and the Apprentice are talking and being taught on Mustafar and a volcano blows up and swallows them both? Then the Force will in that... There is no redundancy. But there... The Force will have to create a dark side entity. It has to... It has to... We know it has to exist because there can't be balance without light and Of course there can so even if they just pick one... Of course there can. Kill all the Jedi, and then kill all the Sith, and you're balanced. And then what? Then there's no Jedi. Then there's balance. But then there's no Force users. You didn't ask for your Force users, you asked for balance. If there's no Force users, then the Force can't exist. Of course it can. The Force exists without the user. The Force exists The Force exists the throughout users. everything. Okay, that's like saying... Mother... Just because no one accesses it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because just because a plane does not have a pilot or passengers does not mean that plane is not capable of flying. It is still a plane. The force would still be there. You just wouldn't have any force wielders. Then the force has no way to act. Who says the force needs wielders to act? Everything about Star Wars says that. Not true. Where does it say Episode that? Episode nine: Lightning comes directly from the force, strikes a tree, and blows it up. That breaks lore, and you can know it. And that was actually episode eight. That was episode eight, and the reason fans, including myself, were so pissed was because a force ghost <coughs> cannot interact on the physical plane. That is not how it's supposed to work. He didn't. That's like saying, that's like saying Gandalf when he died should have been able to blow up Mount Mount Doom. I, I understand, but it's it's lore now, Cameron. We have it's to not the, lore. We have to deal with the consequences. Just because it's of canon Disney's doesn't mistake. make it lore. We have to deal with the consequences. Okay, of you're Disney's just trying mistake. to validate your argument, and that's the only thing you I can come up it. with. You did. You're right. <laughs> Being a realist, but what I'm saying is, it hurts Cameron's that, feelings, but it worked. So, my argument is, the Force does need users because the Force has a mind of its own, and it has to act in a way through people with individuality. Yes, the Force could be well, able to do... What's the Force's goal? Hold on. The Force could be able to do what it wanted. But that's like saying we as human beings being symbiotic with Mother Nature. Mother Nature can do whatever the heck she wants. Not an actual she. I'm just iterating it because it's the name that people have given it over the course of human history. Mother Nature acts as she wants. But without us as human beings to constantly feed carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, refuse, all of those things back into the system, Mother Nature would have no way to act. Mother Nature would certainly have a way to act without humans. There I'm not saying time. there would be zero actions. What I'm saying is human beings and other beings and other things to help propagate that action assist in the goal of Mother Nature, which is to create a symbiotic environment for everyone to live. The force is the same way. It needs people to act to utilize its power in order to keep itself growing. The force is essentially just the effect of life because the Metachlorians are in everything. 
in us, around us, surround us, <coughs> they are a part of life. They so, are a consequence of life. So don't you there think the reason people, for that is there, because the Force wants those people to use it? Probably, but there are people in the universe who do not have Force abilities. So without the people who could wield the Force, there would still be other people and there would still be the Force. So then the Force would have to create light and dark to keep itself balanced. It would, it would not have to, but it would. Have to as in, in order for the continuation of the Force to be the Force. No, the Force could just exist. But that's not Star Wars. And the light side and dark side of the Force are really just the Force wielder's manipulation of it. But what I'm saying is the Force, the reason there has to be a light and a dark is because the Force needs bodies to act through. Uh, from what we've seen in Star Wars, what the Force desires is balance, above all else. But without Force users, the Force isn't able to enact itself individually. The Force can still be a thing, but without Jedi and Sith to keep that balance... But what makes you say that Force wielders are... What makes you say the Force wielders are not... How do I say what I want to say? You act like the Force desires Force wielders. It does. To or, form symbiotic relationships with it. Or rather, our Force wielders... As Qui-Gon says, we're symbiotes with the Force. Or are Force wielders just a natural progression of evolution, and the Force then has to utilize those tools... In order to go back to being balanced, because when they developed the use of the Force, to be able to tap into the Force, external to the Force's will, they went light side or dark side and created imbalance. If the Force is really just trying to achieve balance, well, the easiest way to do that is to exterminate Force wielders. But then it'd have to restart with the Jedi, because the Jedi were the perfect example of Force users who were... Like, like there was no iteration of light or dark. The Jedi were just Force users. I guess that really depends on if you believe the Force is a sentient Force or a non-sentient Force. Well, it'd have to be sentient if it has a mind of its own. Does it have a mind of its own, or does it just have a desire? It is canon that Qui-Gon explains it. Or does it just have a desire for balance? Is it just trying to achieve equilibrium? Mm -hmm. See, that's something we don't know. All we know is, is that Qui-Gon iterates. We are symbiotes with the Force. It has a mind of its own. We have to do what it wills, or else all will fail. Well, like, I'm paraphrasing. That's not what he actually says. Is the will of the but... Force... Is the will of the Force an actual will of sentience? Or is the will of the Force just trying to re-get to equilibrium? The Force has a mind of its own, but we don't know what its goals are. But we don't know that it's sentient. We just know that it's trying to eat, to get back to Not sentient like a human being, but it has sentience, meaning if it can form... The only way, biologically speaking, to form a symbiotic relationship with something is those two things have to be living. Yes. Well, of so, course. I mean, it's the living force. That makes sense. Case in point. Thank you. So the Jedi and the Sith, for that matter, being symbiotes with the force... They have to live in tandem. Not the Sith and the Jedi living with each other, but they have to live in tandem with the Force. The a, Force uses them as puppets. But a plant is like a, a marionette thing, and it doesn't have a brain. 
It doesn't so, have to because it has cells. Right. And so my point is, if it is trying to reach equilibrium, trying to get back to neutral. We veered way off course from the code, but that's okay here at the Judge Day Canteen. We banter. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like if you drop a, a piece of ice out in a 90 degree box, the ice will melt. And when everything reaches the same temperature, it will stop fluctuating temperature. It's just trying to get to an even temperature across everything inside of the box. And so the force is going to do that through the rule of two. The force is the force doesn't care how it gets to balance. It doesn't care if it's the same amount of power on the light side and the dark side. Or if it's no light side, no dark side, no wielders at all. I'm balanced. That's how... That's... All it cares about is the achievement of balance. And if yeah. you want to say it's sentient and it has a... It has the functional brain. has a mind brain. of its own, as Obi-Wan says. Right. If you want to say that, then, then go ahead. I will concede to you that if the Force has a will, then yeah, probably. But I think the Force is a force of nature, and thus it's just trying to get back to balance. It doesn't care how. But all the movies have shown... And said exactly what I said and, and what you just said. The Force is a living thing. It has a mind of its own. The Force is a living thing doesn't mean it has a mind of its own. But they say it in the movies, which makes it canon. They it's say legit. a lot of things in it's the movies that are wrong. It's a reason. They say a lot of things in the movie that are wrong. I mean, the entire Phil. Jedi Order is wrong. Phil, okay. So, you can't say it's in the movies, therefore... Because it was I never... can say it's in the movies, therefore, because the reality is it is in the movies and they state that. They could be wrong in the lore. They could, but we've never been shown that they are wrong. We've never really been shown that they're right. I never said that they were right. So what I'm saying is... <laughs> I'm just saying we haven't seen that they're wrong. What I'm saying is those are the two options. <laughs> and whichever you subscribe to, if you believe that the sentience of the Force then you have to believe that the Force will create more orders of some kind, light side and dark, to keep balanced. And if you believe it's a force of nature, then any ending that ends in balance, it's happy with. Yes, I agree with you there. I, I will agree with you because you look at the thousands of Jedi and thousands of Sith before the Battle of Yavin and BBY. Then you get to Darth Bane's era, the Jedi decline. Right. And then for 1,500 years, there's two Sith. Then you get to the Republic era, or I guess the New Republic, the Galactic Republic, excuse me. So many Republics, geez, get it right. <laughs> and then there's the Jedi Council, and then there's Sidious and his apprentices. After that, and which I think is really cool, and kind of, I'm kind of buffing your argument, like I'm, because I agree with you. Oh, I don't the, have the an force. argument either way. I don't know which it is. I want that answered. Well, neither do I'm just I'm just simply staying stating what they say in the movies about how it's living and whatever. But I'm I'm agreeing with you that the force my iter, my my I guess my interpretation of the movies is the force says, "Oh, wow, there are so many Jedi." Okay, there but there's only two Sith. More powerful Sith. More powerful Sith. Until the Jedi die when the Jedi die. It's Obi-Wan, Yoda, Vader, and Palpatine. There are two on each side. The Force is in balance. The Force doesn't care. Right. And then we get 
okay, Palpatine dies. I'm not talking about the sequels. I'm talking about the way he really died. Well, Vader and, dies. Obi-Wan dies. Yoda dies. Luke is all that's left. more than that, we also have... Sorry, before just, you go on, yeah. I want to talk... Yeah, go ahead. More than that, we don't just have four major force wielders. We have two light side and two dark side that are incredibly evenly matched. Bingo. Sidious and Yoda are incredibly evenly matched. Yoda actually succeeded that fight. Yeah, Yoda at that point knew that he... Not that he had lost the fight, but rather he couldn't truly win it. Right. And Obi-Wan was slightly more powerful than Vader because he won that fight. Wrong. He was not more powerful. He just found an advantage. That doesn't make him more powerful. Okay, he was yeah. more intelligent. He wasn't more powerful. He knew... He Intelligence knew. is a part of the power. <laughs> he is not more powerful in the Force. For lack of a 10-minute argument, battle. okay. So you have... The dark side winning on one side and the light side winning on the other. It's as close to parity as you can get. Exactly. That's what I was that is as close to balance as the Force cares for. Yeah, back to my other point, now, though. Obi-Wan dies and Yoda dies. Palpatine and Vader die. And Vader has to kill Palpatine and Vader dies in the process. The Force balances itself. And Until... the Force was obviously shooting for zero. Until the force was shooting for zero Luke's, force wielders. Luke's still alive, which is what I was going to get to with my point so earlier. The force failed. It didn't fail, and I'll tell you why. So Luke creates <laughs> Luke creates the new council, and then the Sith create the one Sith. See where I'm going with this? Right. So because Luke and his Jedi were getting more powerful, the force was saying, "Hey, hold on a second. I thought there was balance, and now I got this farm boy." Doing all this crap. Okay. Darth Crate, do your thing. Right. Then you have the one Sith rising to meet Luke's council, Luke's Jedi. But it doesn't change the point. No, I'm 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 not changing the point. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> Just let me finish. So the Sith at that point, the one Sith rise to meet the power of Luke and his new Jedi. Right. There's balance. Well But as uh, with to... Then, then you have canon where obviously Snoke and and uh, anger management boy. I still don't know go who up Snoke against. is. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. That was a fallen story arc in a in a botched movie. Not fallen story arc. It was a failed story arc. Well, you, well, no, they just dropped it. They decided to go a different route. That's it was botched. It, it was heavily botched. He ends up in a freaking vat on, on Exegol. It's like, what? what? Yeah, I didn't understand that. <laughs> and then we never hear about him ever again. Like, I... Anyways. So you have those two rise up as the dark side. And what does the Force do? Creates Wonder Ray. <laughs> Shut up. Because <laughs> obviously no real female character with real traits of real human being could beat two men. <laughs> no. You couldn't not. just have a normal woman who, who worked hard to do it. Phil, you don't get it. She doesn't care about how she has to explain her power how, and feminism to you because you're how, a man. How devalued do you have to be? Like, Stop mansplaining. <laughs> Well, how little do you have to think of women? So dumb. How little do you have to think of women to create a character who you you literally have to give superpowers to compete with a temper tantrum throwing teenager? You have a female character who you literally gave 
impossible characteristics to to compete with a hardly trained Sith. Right, a hardly trained Sith. I will give Kylo Ren that, the fact that he has that bothers me. But he has Skywalker blood. I'll give him that. How, however, I, I know I know me. you don't, which is why I said however. <laughs> It bothers me that they took the opportunity to have a really great character show hard work, effort, and a payoff. And they replaced it with a, a cheap, shoddy, gets whatever she wants for no reason. How little do you think of how little do you think of her as a character to not even give her the chance to develop in a natural way? Well, because all they had to do was stick Palpatine. That is so sexist. They just had to stick the name Palpatine in there. Oh, yep. But it's so sexist. Our hands are clean. We explained everything. She's just a Palpatine who apparently both parents weren't force sensitive. But that tells me, but that basically tells me that... It was a band Whoever wrote the story did not believe that a female Jedi could compete with a male Sith. Well, dude, it's Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, the Force is female. Come on. Well, but... That explains everything right there. If you believe that she should be able to beat him... Like, I, I believe in that. I believe if you had trained Ray right and treated the character right, she should have come out on top. But you had to give her... You had to let her cheat. You had to make her character cheat. Where did she learn to fly? <laughs> so so you cheat coded into flying a, a starship where did she learn to use the force uh the mind trick where did she learn to float in oh, air? where did she learn to do the mind trick when did she learn that you cheat coded her if i was playing a video game with the female protagonist and i didn't know how to do mind trick i'd have just cheat coded got that ability unlocked and used it that's what they did it was a band-aid for a, a gut shot. How did she learn They were trying to, to they How were did tr- she learn to, to fight with a sword? They were trying to put a band-aid on clearly something that was amputated. Right, but my point my point isn't that. My point is That's my point. How little place. did they think of female characters that they had to cheat their way to victory? All you had to do was show her working hard. To learn those things. Right. And she would have been a good character. I And we would have cared that she won. There there was... The only problem I have is when she beat Kylo in the first fight. I've got a little bit of problem with a lot of it. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, I remember I the love first Force time, Awakens. Up until the end. I remember the first time I drove a car. I remember the first time I drove a tractor. I remember the first time I drove a dozer and a bobcat and a track hoe, and I sucked at all of them. And I've taught other people how to drive cars and tractors and backhoes. And they sucked at and it. And they sucked at it. <laughs> yep. And there's not a single person who can drive a backhoe first go-round. And a backhoe doesn't fly through space. What are you talking about? She crawls into a <laughs> ship for the first time. The Millennium Falcon, nonetheless. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Could be a TIE Fighter. Could I be do. the most idiot-proof thing ever. I care, because it's the Millennium I mean, it could Falcon. be a Gungan ship, for all I care. It's a Millennium Falcon of all the pick. It, does, it doesn't matter what she's flying. She flies it better than trained fighter aces? Well, don't you get it, Phil? She followed the Jedi Code. 
<laughs> but my point is, it it felt like a total letdown because you gave this character everything from nothing. Essentially, is how you I didn't give them a backstory. You didn't give them a reason to win. You didn't give us a reason to like her. Yeah, and I really want to. Awesome character idea. A scrapper turned Jedi. That sounds like something George Lucas did in 1977. Oh, yeah, Luke. That's weird. No, I mean, kind of. But... Dude, it was a copy-paste. Yeah, it was. But had they just treated it the same way? Like, first movie, she fails. Luke failed in the first movie. First two movies. He Uh, succeeded in the Fin 4, kind of. Yeah, blowed up the But Obi-Wan died. In 4. But in 5, he lost. Luke's master died. He he failed his master by allowing his master to die. In five, he straight up loses. And in six, he comes back as the master. He redeems himself. That is his that is his character arc. Fail, grow, succeed. No, 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 no. Win, fail, succeed. Well, win, grow, fail, grow, succeed. Right. I see your point. But he goes from being a farm boy who doesn't know how, you know, doesn't know how to be a Jedi to he spends years to master these techniques. And finally, in the final battle, he knows he's going to lose, but he still manages to win. Yeah. He finds a way. And Ray, win, win, win. Gets handed victory after victory after victory, which wouldn't be a problem because that happens to people. Some people are just lucky. But she's handed victories she shouldn't win. Yeah. I think we can... I think we can agree that it was... uh, A garbage trilogy? Yeah. But it had potential and it was shot down. Of course it had potential. Everything Star Wars has potential. Every <laughs> yeah. creative endeavor has a potential. Anytime you write a story, there's potential. Well, That's anytime true. you write a unique story, there's potential. I was going to say, yeah, you, you trust me. And anyone there can were write some unique aspects to Star Wars, the, the, the last trilogy. There were, but they dropped the ball. Yeah. But I think that's all we got for you folks today. As always, come join our Discord, hit us up at our email. We'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, it's it's been a while. I know uh, things have been kind of dicey with the ever-flowing negative emotions of the world, but come in, chat with us. We'll keep you guys company. We'll all get through this together and hang out, and maybe we can find a little place to relax. Yeah, but, uh, oh, I was going to mention. Did you finally get the Twitter started? No. Well, I'm not doing that until the full transfer of power is taking place. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, Phil's going to buy um, Warhammer 40k Magic cards that are coming out in the fall. <laughs> it, it was just Can't released. Run. You know you are. You know you are. I might. I, I want to. Dude, Abaddon is one of the main commanders. I know, but I want girly man. <laughs> of course I want girly man. But uh, that's all we got for you guys. And take it easy. We'll see you next week. Absolutely.